Welcome to episode four of the Unintentional Podcast, where we mine the rich seam of Bristol clubbing history. Um, and with me today are Sim Beaton, aka Simmer, uh, Duncan Crane, aka Nifty, and Jamie Anderson, aka Jamie Anderson. Uh, and we're talking about the Bristol Techno Explosion, which ran probably from '94 till '98, give or take a year either way. Super interesting chat with three stalwarts and heroes of the scene. Uh, so thanks for listening. So yeah. thanks for joining me. Uh, this is uh, this is this is the fourth one I've done. This will probably be the fourth one that comes out, I suspect. And what I do is uh, I edit all together and then send it all to everyone to make sure they're all happy with what's going out. Uh, and then once everyone is happy with it going out, it then goes out, and that's sort of it. And I might branch out eventually, but right now I just want to sort of document a certain era in Bristol music history that uh, we were all part of. Um, and I've been banging on forever to anyone who will listen uh, about what I have loosely decided to call the Bristol Techno Explosion, where there was a point in Bristol clubbing history where three, four venues a week were absolutely full to the rafters of people listening to techno and uh, almost everyone playing was a local DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of ran in parallel with the Travellers thing, it ran in parallel with the German bass thing, it ran in parallel with lots of different bits and pieces that were going on. And you are all key protagonists in the development thereof. Um, uh, and so I wanted to speak to you all, really. Uh, I've never done this with more than one person on a call before, so it's quite interesting. The dynamic might be interesting. Mm. And feel free to sort of dive in and butt in and just pretend we're in a pub or something uh, rather than an interview situation like, I'm, you know, you're applying for a job. Or more accurately, I'm applying for a job and you're the panel, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how I yeah. currently feel. Um, <laughs> But uh, in my head, I'm trying to think it it through chronologically, but this is the way that I see it or remember it loosely, um, is that uh, Tokyo Sex Whale was kind of the first thing to branch out and play, I guess, a kind of a different sound to what was happening in Bristol outside of the emerging kind of jungle thing and the emerging house thing and the emerging rave thing. And that obviously has a place in the story, but obviously wasn't particularly local. And people weren't coming for the locals, they were coming for the guests, uh, the Svens, et cetera, that kind of thing. And, yeah, exactly. And the way, uh, and Shimmy was started in, uh, I think the first Shimmy was in November 94. But mm. I reckon, and I may be wrong, Jamie, that you, long before that, were already putting out different tunes and probably had a label running already. Is that about right? Yeah, we stayed before '94. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so when did so did you have something before art form? Yeah, we did Problem Child Records. That's right. With yeah. Andy Westcott. That was it. That was it. Sim had a record right as well, didn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a record. Like yeah, a, yes, yeah. Sim, yeah. so I, I have the storm. storm. Yeah. Calm before the storm. Yeah. That's yeah, a calm before the storm. So that was yeah. it. That was it. I spent the weekend with Andy last weekend, actually. How's he doing? He's good. He's back in back in the UK, and he's he's not obviously doing any techno music or anything like that, or anything in the studio. But he's playing his guitar as much as he can. Yeah, he was in Portugal, wasn't he? 
He was, yeah, he was, but he's back now. Okay. We talked about that release and we talked about the label and we kind of talked a bit, talked about it on the back of the Ian Wilkie interview that he did because obviously right. that resurrected loads of memories and stuff. Um, and talking about the, you know, the way we were frantically trying to, everyone trying to put records out. And obviously yeah. that release for me was the, the was what kickstarted me. And to this day, I still make music that sounds like that record. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem to matter. I think it's your techniques that, Jamie, that you and Andy taught me back, back then. Yeah. Basically, if I turn on Logic, that's basically what I go to, is that type of programming. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's amazing, to be fair, because that's that's where you get your signature sounds from, isn't I it? I probably do it quite similar still to this day as well. <laughs> I think you do, because I listen to your stuff, and it, yeah, it's definitely Jamie Anderson. Child <laughs> 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 Records, we couldn't have done without That's where it was, and I, I'd forgotten what it was called, but you're absolutely right, that was it. Yeah. Um, and I met... I met Jamie accidentally, so I didn't know who Jamie was at that time. And I don't know if you remember at all, Jamie, where we first met. Nope. <laughs> okay, so it was at Lakota. We were, we were both dancing on the stage at the end of the night. But it's kind of I remember that. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that. We, we weren't yeah. at the front. We were we were just close, just at the back because there, there was a lot of room at the back. So yeah, yeah. that's where I first met him. Yeah. Wasn't it Dave Angel playing or something? It was indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. There you go. Yeah, I remember listening, listening, going. Where did you get these records from? I never heard these records before. And then, like six months later, I find out it's one of his ones. Yeah, from his label, unsurprisingly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you still in contact with Dave then? Because you, yeah, you yeah. did quite a lot of stuff together, didn't you, for a while? Yeah, he's still doing good. Good, good. He's not been very well, though, has he? No, he wasn't well for a while. Um, he did a bad. remix for it a, a few years ago now but I haven't had any sort of um, contact with him for a bit. Yeah, because he had a revival game, really, didn't he? He sort of tripped, tipped off and then sort of came back. He did some stuff for Joe Ford and stuff on uh, Jericho, I think, if I remember rightly, a few years yeah. back. Okay. But, um, That's right, yeah. 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 The original people seem to stick around, don't they? You know, this is the thing about the 90s, isn't it? I mean, if you were lucky enough to be around in the 90s, one, it was all emerging, you know, we all cut our teeth back then, didn't we? Yeah. You know, and it, it's... Well, it's just, it was for the love, not for the money and fame, but that was never... Yeah. Never, never money and fame then. Uh, I mean, I met, I was out the other night, um, well, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who, who had some visitors down from London, and one of them was Terry Francis. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> well, I used to play records with you <laughs> years ago, so do you fancy going for a pint on a Thursday afternoon? Obviously left work, got to the pub at 12 o'clock, didn't get home till about midnight, absolutely kited. <laughs> um, but it was really good. It was just like, uh, you know, literally hadn't seen this bloke for over 20 years. And the last time I saw him was in a really hot, sweaty club and we couldn't barely speak, you know what I mean? It was like... Leaving over and shouting each other's ears, yeah. Yeah, it was just DJing thought, but it was just, it, he's still going, he's, you know, still still at Fabric, still banging, well, banging it out, but saying they're just about to start up again, I think. Of what went on and then the COVID and everything, but um, yeah, we were having that same conversation that all, we're lucky enough to have been around in the early days. You know, I know there's got something to be said for being this age nowadays. You know, <laughs> Leon was saying at the time it was a really good place to, it's like a training ground because so you could play every weekend without having to leave the city. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. and and that 
trying to get around town or I personally used to do a lot of shopping over in Bath at Stardust Records mm. with Mike, Mike Healy and, um, you know, just running around town trying to get a record that nobody else had. That was always the one. because I got quite competitive there at the one point with everyone sort of chasing the same... That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, Jamie, you were writing them. We, you know, we, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we no one's got this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it was good days. Good days indeed. So, um, so when when it, art form started in, when did you start that? Can you remember? 97. 97. Yeah. Right. So it was and Child all the way through. That's what I was trying to work out in my head because. Um, because I licensed something off you, didn't I? Dolphin, which then became the yeah. first Hope release under a different name and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I remember. But Sim and Duncan, I think, you know, your role in this conversation, well, and generally, is probably, you know, there was a point with you with Homegrown Nifty uh, and obviously Simmer, um, Simmer Shimmy. You know, they were kind of, those are the two mainstay techno nights of the time. Strange, <coughs> Strange Fruit was there, wasn't it? And Electrical Strange Orgasm. Fruit was there. Electrical Orgasm, Species. Yeah, I forgot about Electrical Orgasm, Orgasm, actually. Just, just a little smile then, because I remembered Toxic Shock. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Toxic Shock on, on down at Loco. Loco. Who, who did that? Some, I can't remember who I did it. I remember that. But great name for a techno night, Toxic Shot. No women there whatsoever. Just like, no. yeah, so. What a night out. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and then there, was, like. there was heresy, wasn't there, as well? And, yeah, yeah. No, and they were, they were the crazy. We opened at five in the morning and went till midday. Once. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Then when the coat finished, they'd start. Yeah, yeah that was it. So you find yourself in the basement at Loco at 9am on a Sunday morning, <laughs> wondering what the fuck was going on. <laughs> yeah, what time did the clubs close then? You had a Secular closed at 1, and then you had Secular closing at 2. Yeah. Five, five most weekends, and then we had one seven in the morning where we, on to, a special occasion. With, it was like really early closing. Oh, it was early to begin with, yeah. Trinity yeah. was 6, wasn't it, on the big nights? Yeah. And then, and Eastern Community Centre was four, I believe, because it was, you know, in the in the middle of the yeah, the houses. Eastern Community Centre was crazy. This is literally just it's the traffic it's light house. Thing, it? it was just a big house, basically. It was so <laughs> full. Yeah. And yet these nights would offer two or three rooms, and each room was just slightly harder and faster than the other one. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and a bit smaller. Yeah, the main room with the traffic lights. So it was even though it was the main room, it was the quietest room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you were just the whole time you were DJing, you just had to keep your eye up. Oh, you had to keep an eye on the thing. Yes, you did. Yeah, otherwise yeah. it cut out all the all the sound. Yeah. It's it just, just cut out. Yeah. 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 With uh, with the UPA in there most of the time, wouldn't it? Um yeah. used to run the sound system UPA. I can't remember. John Duncan, you must you must remember that one. I'm trying to. But if he was running the rig, then it was okay because he'd be sitting there looking at the lights all night and you could freestyle a bit. But if there was an incoming, like, you know, like a visiting PA, basically it just uh, right, yeah. on and off, yeah. on and off, yeah. on and off. Yeah. Um, I remember the sound systems being good back then. 
because I always remember leaving a club with my ears ringing. <laughs> like, like, it never happens ever since. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Someone to talk to I can hear them. It's be like, yeah. <laughs> I think you sure. get a bit closer to speakers back in those days, Jamie. I don't think you I think get closer than that. It's into the red, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and mostly vinyl, so you're getting like full signal with less compression. Yeah. You know, these models. Yeah, is it, is yeah all, absolutely. Compressed, isn't Absolutely. It? Yeah, sausages. With mixed no, no EQ on them. Just yeah. slam it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I find this when I go, I, I mean, we go to Awakenings and that uh, and do a few bigger events. We've got these massive rigs and, these, you know, when you were at Awakenings last year, weren't you? you don't. Yeah. I mean, it's just the setups, you know, these Tomorrowlandy style things, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. But the sound systems, as soon as they open the faders, there's kind of this dead area unless it depends on the sound system i suppose who's playing who's running it i just find it really undynamic mixes a lot of the time it's just numbers almost yeah well a lot of people doing laptop sets aren't they so it's all everyone's really obsessed by a kind of perfect seamless mix aren't they now i think yeah whereas you couldn't really get that and especially if you just bought the tunes four hours previously from duncan and giant or something um (laughs) You know, you had a kind of, there was a lot of guesswork involved, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Freestyle. I'm trying to remember who's playing. Speak yourself, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, you were probably more thorough and more, de- you were always more detailed. And you, obviously you've got a producer's ear and that kind of thing. Um, I never had any of those things. And I, you know, it was just, you know, you keep it in and then just sort of vaguely trying to work it all out. Um and yeah, I was probably a lot more slapdash than, than you were, I think. I think I remember I, I remember Billy Nasty played a techno set. Um, Billy Nasty played a night, I can't remember whose night it was, I don't know if it was one of Jamie's, um, and he came and he played an awful set, and afterwards he apologised and he said, oh, sorry, I, it was rubbish, I just had a new tunes I wanted to try out. So he literally had like a load of white labels and stuff he'd never heard himself and just played a random set of white labels. Yeah. So, so it was all like a bit mashed together, but yeah, promos live. Yeah, yeah. I remember Weverall it. doing that to me once. Weverall come and played at Empty Loco, and I gave them money. And went cheers for the rehearsal, mate. Thanks, very much. It's a bit of a weird one because I find sometimes. I mean, I've played plenty of gigs where I literally just turn up with my tunes. I have no real plan. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. I literally take a few of these and a few of those, and you know. And sometimes those are the best ones, where you are just pulling the tunes out and slapping them down and just mixing. You know, boom, 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 in out, in out. Sometimes it just works. Yeah. But then the next time you like go, what was that set I played? You have no recollection <laughs> of what you did. No, no. Um, well, I remember Joey Beltram when he played Lakota. He had a, like the smallest record box I've ever seen. It carried about twenty records, and it he just played one record after the other. It, it was just a pre-made set that he would always play the same set. Mm, which, yeah. That's again, what Dave Clark did. He turned up with like a, a one of those roller bags that zipped and opened up like that, and had like the first hour there and the second hour there. Um, and then he do that and then complain about the head shells for two hours at me <laughs> in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you were running anyway. nights as well, though, weren't you, Jamie? Yeah, we did a few. We, what were they called? Uh, Destiny. Yes, they were correct. Yeah, I that. Correct. Right. Correct. You win. I remember. 
You win, yeah, exactly. The microwave oven is yours. And where were they then? So we did, um, I think they started at the Thecla, uh, Thecla and then Trinity. And yeah. then we did, we did one of you, with one or two of you, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I always thought Destiny was a shit name. I came up with the name and I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> so <laughs> never going to go anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird uh, coming up with names for nights. I thought Shimmy, Shimmy was my peak. And after that, I kind of I, I went back down again. And Temptation wasn't quite as good. And and then I don't think Hope was quite as good as Hope. You know, it's like one of those. I should have just, you know, the Shimmy thing was bang on. And after that, I, I ran out of good ideas. Yeah. You, and you probably got about one or two good names in your entire career, haven't you? And then once you've used them, you're sort of stuffed. Yeah. Well, that's how we came up with Homegrown, because the whole, like, it leads on to your point that you started with, Leon. Yeah. The fact it was because... You didn't need to pay and go and see a good DJ because there are plenty of good DJs. Yes. Yeah. So you got it just by listening to people from the city. So you paid yeah. less, yeah. but you still yeah. got good music. So that was the trade-off, really. And was that something that came off the back of those... Uh, I, I'm not... It sounds a bit arrogant. I don't mean like this. But is that something that came off the back of the early successes that Sim and I had with Shimmy when that finally kicked in? Did you feel, oh, look, that's happening there. We can, I'm sure we could do something similar no um just unconnected yeah sorry <laughs> yeah no it's fine because i, I just I'm, I'm not i'm not here I'm not, i just i think i think shimmy was the first of its kind in that sense and i um, in the terms yeah. of local djs in that genre and obviously the drum and bass thing have been doing it for quite a while and other genres have been doing it but with we the techno thing we've been so reliant on solid state bringing people in and, yeah, no, because we were, we were doing stuff. I I don't know where the timeline is. It'd be interesting to find out for sure when Shemi and Homegrown started, because we did do small things to start with. So we did do the Thecla and we did the Blue Mountain right. and a few other little places just to start off with. Um, but no, it, it was I went away traveling, and while I was away traveling, I bumped into this guy from London, and he played me some tapes of stuff that was going on in this country, and I'd been away for six months. Right. And it was, well, one of the tracks was actually Bookham Horizon. Sorry, yeah. So it was PMF, wasn't it? Horizons, um, which just blew my mind. Yeah. And then he had a load of other stuff. And I was like, no, nah, fuck this. I can do this any other time. I'm going to go back because the music scene is definitely going off. And I came yeah. back. And that's when I bumped into Jody. And the first night I went out was, I think it was a night that Ian was playing. Ian was definitely playing there. And I think Jamie might have been playing there. It was a New Year's Eve. With Dane the Dang at Trinity. Oh, that was one of mine, yeah. 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 Ian Wilkie's playing that one as well. Yeah. yeah. So Ian, Ian played the last set, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and I came back and I stayed with some friends afterwards because I sort of caught up with people after traveling. And that's when I said, like, I've got an idea. Like, why don't we do like a night and call it Homegrown and just use like local right. talent? So yeah. I think, was that 96 you did that then, Jamie? 94. Ninety four. So that's surprised my, my mind's my memory still working. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah, Shimmy started October ninety four, but in a sort of different. It was like with the band. It was like we got the first lineup together, but it wasn't quite right. We kind of got it along a couple, and then changed the lineup. And Sim came in, and, and Chloe came in. And I think Paul was already there. Stewie came in. T was already there, and I was already there, and a couple of people left, kind of thing. And then we did it. At the um, the Mandrake, yeah, and we did it. We reached a point by about April of '95 when nobody was coming. Still, and thought, oh, we'll probably 
Might well go away and do something else. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this is how I feel about it, it was suddenly full. And we couldn't quite work out how or why, but that was the point. So that was about April or May 95. Was that chime with what you remember? It was still Wednesday nights then, though, wasn't it? And it was still Wednesday nights, yeah. And then we took the summer off and did nothing. And that kind of built this bananas hype. So the time we came back to Loco in September of 95... You know, I mean, I, I still get haircuts from people who, you know, who say, oh, you know, I, I messed my degree up because I'd go out every Wednesday to shimmy and then, you know, that kind of thing. So it was like it was this Wednesday thing really connected, which is an idea that we stole off Fly Baby because they were doing Mondays or Tuesdays at the Tube or something. And that it was like a student thing that Shocker was doing, Sherwin was doing. Um when yeah, there, was, there were a lot, like said Mandrake, we did the Mandrake as well. There were a lot of sort of like yeah. starter places you could do yeah. little things yeah. at. Yeah. Just to sort of find yeah. your feet and see yeah. if you had an audience and then, yeah. you know, hopefully move up to, you know, yeah. Beckler and Blue Mountain. Because we went to the Mandrake because we started, we started one love in the Mandrake, I think. If you're going to do a night in Bristol, you have to start at the police club. Yeah. <laughs> It was like yeah. the police and nurses social club. Yeah. It? Yeah. It was the police yeah. and nurses social bar, wasn't it? And they're all coming in <laughs> later on, smacking, uh, taking little friends. <laughs> weren't they? It was, wasn't it? The, yeah, the Mandrake was a police yeah, bar. Police, it was, police yeah. yeah. Three in the morning, yeah. they're all doing beatnik dances all around the bar. <laughs> 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 what you want, where you're from, and all that, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, reach yeah. for the lasers yeah. reach for the lasers <laughs> not too high because you'll hit the ceiling because it's yeah. <laughs> brilliant day but I don't think this existed in any other city in the country I don't think Manchester or Liverpool any of those places they were already super reliant on bigger names and I'm only talking within this genre um, you know there were nights in Manchester that were sort of trying to you know different crews and stuff but I never felt it really connected the way it connected in Bristol Um I don't really know why. I think it was a combination of different feels and just the, you know, it was, the, it was a kind of a reaction to big name clubbing and the fact that it was cheap to get in and the fact that DJs were good, clearly, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. well, Wilkie well, or I, you or you. And, and the other thing is we, we didn't have any, well, not, I, I stayed clear of it anyway, I tried to. There were there were no real politics. You know what I mean? It was no, no sort of right, oh, I don't think there were. And if you all played for different, you know, exactly, we all played each other's nights. Exactly, we all played each other's nights, exactly. Yeah, so. It the same with like, you, Jamie, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah, I mean, just yeah. one big night, wasn't it? You know, we yeah. all. Yeah. We were you all just, just picked which venue you wanted to go yeah. to. Yeah. Right, I'm playing two a night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time. Early one at Eastern Community Centre, late one at Trinity, you know? Yeah. yeah. Nipping yeah. to the depot on the way over. Yeah. The depot! That's it. That's yeah. what I'd forgotten, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What a place that was. Yeah. That was a sweat box downstairs, wasn't it? Mental. Oh, the basement in the depot. It was just yeah. so good. Just yeah. akin to the back room of Lakota, though, wasn't it? Because that was a sweat box as well. Yeah. When you got people punching the air and there, blimey. Yeah. Yeah, low ceiling and just pounding sound system. Yeah. 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 And yeah. luckily, we, the DJ booth was slightly raised, so you were right up in the heat, and it was yeah. great. <laughs> it was so hot, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get away. Unreal. Just stood in a pool of sweat, just like <laughs> dying. But when we were young, I guess we just didn't care. It was like, oh, I just have some more beer, it'd be fine. Yeah. It wasn't like, like water that. Hadn't... Everywhere, though, wasn't it? Like, look how yeah. you... 
drip on you, loco drip on you, yeah. you know, yeah. depot, literally the energy going on inside those venues back then. You know, that it was it wasn't any wonder that all that liquid was gonna be coming out of people and ending up looking on you. You know, he's called it techno yeah. juice, didn't we? I mean it, yeah. it that's right, techno- yes. <laughs> but, you know, there was nothing there was nothing like you weren't going to a techno night back then to be cool. You were going there to rip your shirt off, no. mental. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think I think that kind of has changed a little bit now. You know, I think it. Well, there was yeah. always the cool techno nights. You know, there was like Lost and all the stuff going up in London. Um, that I never felt I was part of or particularly was interested in, really. Um, but Bristol kind of turned it and flipped it on its head and turned it into something that didn't involve coolness just involved going out and having a great time and taking your shirt off and there were also a lot of girls there so it wasn't like just blokes and no, it's right. very blokey now I think that's yeah. my feeling when I get emotion or whatever for that you know occasionally I think when we were doing it it was just really open and people just went and had a had a right blast you know mm. yeah yeah, and, and wherever you were it was very rare that there was any trouble or, or anything like that no. It was like it dawn on us. No, you know, totally. Nobody was there for anything, but you know, anything else, but just having fun and losing their mind to the music. You know, it yeah, was, yeah. So it was, it was about music. Really. Yeah, totally was. Yeah, you're right. It was the latest stuff from the from the local guys, and you know, occasionally a guest, but you know, generally, you know, we were all following each other, weren't we? And yeah, totally. Hmm. Just wanted Absolutely. to hear the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Which was, yeah. you know, amazing. It was It was crazy. A real scene and a style came out of that, even if we didn't call it something in particular. It's like, yeah, I think it's still, I still hear that sound today. Yeah, yeah, I think well, you're right. People crave it, don't they? don't realise where that was developed. It was from that time. Yeah. Yeah, people, it was kind of a melting pot. It, it wasn't... I think other cities had like a very particular sound of techno, which was traditional techno, but we had one which was kind of inherent to Bristol, which had a mixture of everything from acid to trance to um, Detroit techno, and everything was just kind yeah. of melting pot. Yeah. yeah. around, yeah. Which is kind of, you still hear it now. It's like a, yeah, I think there was, a, there was a kind of an innocence to what we were doing to a degree. And a kind of naivety that I think made it. This is exactly yeah, that. Yeah. And we were just super enthusiastic. When I started Hope, the idea was to just put out loads of different things that I liked. And I, I swear that that kind of attitude is what we all had when we were doing what we were doing. So just kind of, you know, Shimmy yeah. had no manifesto. We just wanted people to have fun and yeah. for us to have fun and. Play the tunes. I think it really made money out of it, particularly. Um, it was just a thing that we did, and it kind of ran itself. And you know, yeah, you're absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right. It was, it was just that. I mean, I, I do. It's one of the things I struggle with nowadays. Is I work around a lot of younger DJs. I mean, they're all great guys. Don't get me wrong. And they, they, they you know, they got good pick and they can mix well. You know, it's all CDJ based, and it's you know, the the button it might even be pressed. You know. To- <laughs> <laughs> you know, for some of them I mean I don't go that way myself because I just don't that's not how I mix you know I mix 
you know, traditionally, if you like, you know what I mean? Um, but back then we used to talk about the records. We used to be, there used to be this buzz and this hype about the records, you know, like Duncan would, you know, he'd be like, oh, I've got this whites of this. And Jamie would be like, oh, the TPs are in for that. And, you know, and it'd be like, you know, we've got, oh, have you got one? No, I've got this. No, I've got that. You know, and everybody talking yeah. about these things that I can't wait to play on Saturday. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, you know, now everyone's a little bit more, I'm not, I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong, but it, it's not like that. It's all a little bit more close to your chest. I've spent 48 hours on Beatport and I've bought the latest Pop 100 and yeah. I'm not going to tell you which ones they are. Do you know what I mean? What order I'm going to play them in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, like, it, it was all, like we were, you know, I would be waiting for one of us to drop that track you've been telling me about in the record yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're there going, he's going to do it in a minute. It's going to, oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> It doesn't really yeah. it's a, you know we again going back it's I don't want to be cliched or repeating myself but we were lucky in that respect you know what I mean yeah. because that that energy of flying around town I've, what have you been doing all day um, I've just been in record shops um, you know I've driven to Cardiff I've driven to Bath and I've gone around Bristol and I've got these amazing that's it we used to just go as far no, you'd be, uh, where have you been all day I've been in, uh, you know, down, in, down in like Manchester like record shopping or just yeah. record shopping yeah, just, yeah. yeah. That's what he's doing now. I'm going to go into London now. I'm going to go and play records there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the record box was only that wide, wasn't it? You know, and you you kind of didn't delete them very often, very quickly, did you? You kept them in there because it's still good. Yeah. And you yeah. had some gigs coming out. And then you might be going to Europe to play a couple or somewhere else in the country. And you said, well, I've not played there yet, so I'll take those. And I'd like, you know, I've played a homegrown species, Shimmy. You know, all in the last th- three weeks. But if you were going somewhere else, that set was relevant. Yeah, still fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was because they had different records. I mean, I used to find that in Germany. I was playing Germany, and I was—I just sounded completely different to anyone else I was playing with on the lineups. Yeah, yeah. and they were good, and the music was good, but it was just completely different. Completely different. I never yeah, any of it or heard any of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Especially if you went. To a like lot of it was German that they couldn't get because it's all coming in on on import to us. Yeah, you know, yeah. they'd be important all the UK stuff or whatever. And um, but we, we used to go and do um, Freiburg a lot, didn't we? Or did it twice, yeah. I think. Didn't we? Yeah, Freiburg. I did it. Yeah, did it a couple of times a year, and then I, I went out there two or three more times after that. Did you? Okay, right. Yeah, I was doing that. It had that residency in Luxembourg. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Luxury. You remember that, Jamie? Yeah, I came out of you once, didn't I? Yeah, and um, you did, and. Um, we did a shimmy there, didn't we, as well, Leon, in the end? Uh, in Luxembourg, yeah, we did. At Café de la Gare, I think it was. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Old train station thing, and Stuart ended yeah. up shimmy S on the back, like... Oh, uh, it, it just had... Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? That's we right. bleached it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Luxembourg was a good one because you could just nip into the other countries and do yeah. other games. Like, he's go to Belgium afterwards and do, like, an after party at eight in the morning till midday and then go from there to, like, I think it's Switzerland and to play another after-after party. It was all within an hour. You know, it was really easy. Yeah. Um, those are good days. Like, some of was good. Good fun. I have a question for you then, Leon. Yeah. So... Obviously, you had your like your creams and your lofts and yeah. orbit and things like that. Yeah. Do you 
do you think there's any way that Lakota could have carried on and been a sort of a super? I mean, it was a super club really at the time, but could have carried on and maybe sort of done more with the tours or something? Or were you kind of hammered? Well, in terms of building an external brand, you mean? Yeah, and taking it on the or road. Make, yeah, a large brand. Well, yeah, or like, you know. Yeah, in theory. I mean, that was kind of what the late. I don't know if you've listened to Marty's interview, but. Um, oh, I haven't yet, no. Sure, I've got no, one. she. So the label was part of that thinking. And um, she was saying the problem was that they were really, you know, they weren't that switched on business wise. So in 97, they made a lot of money. They turned up an awful lot of money. Uh, but then suddenly they were faced with competition and they didn't really have any cash reserves. And then the whole thing was over before it began because they hadn't really planned it correctly in that sense. Um, but that was the idea with the label. But obviously, they said to me, oh, do you want to do the label? I said, yes, I do, because I already had some label experience with the fact that labels I'd done before that. Uh, and in pre-shimmy, I was doing all that. Um, and, and in their heads, when they said label, they kind of meant, um, trying to think what that, uh, like um, serious records or something like that. And in my head, obviously, I was thinking, you know, Team MMR's featuring Digital City and Major North Annihilate. <laughs> and um, and because the stuff sold really well, they they were, they were sort of oh, we went carry on with it, but they were a bit worried, you know. So, and I think it was complicated for them to work out what that brand was because if you think about the ministry brand or the cream brand, you know, the brand was the night and that was the one thing, but Lakota was kind of many other things. And really, Lakota was a venue for other things going on in it, whether it was Shaft or Cooker or Temptation or Solid State or Fandango or Revolution or. You know, so it's very hard for that, for it to become a brand, I think, when really it was actually hosting other brands too. I think it was a combination of things. Something that could be marketing though. We weren't together enough, is this a blanc, sir? Yeah, fair enough. We weren't together enough and we weren't, um, I think we maybe all had different wishes and desires of how, what we, where we wanted to take what we were taking. And it was really interesting talking to Marty because it was, is what Jamie was saying, it was we just we just threw a load of stuff together, you know. It was like, oh, let's have some American house, or oh, let's do drum and bass, or oh, let's do this, or let's do that. Um, and then there was this pushback, I think, from Bristol. You know, once you reach a certain level of success, like classic Bristol, then everyone just goes, oh, look at them, look at them all, you know, doing what they're doing and doing it well. So then you get the backlash. Um, and I think it was sort of flipped on its head and not saved, it's too strong a word, but resurrected by drum and bass because, you know, we got called out by Ronnie on Sound City on Radio 1 for being, you know, for not offering him a gig, basically for not having any full cycle stuff going on and drum and bass being so enormous. So then we brought Ronnie in and that then kind of pushed everything into another direction again, but obviously managed to make things, you know, I'm not sure it's answer your question, but I, I think it could have been. I think the desire is there from mine to make it that. Um, but I think there were things holding her back. And I mean, it was a bubble, was wasn't it? it was, you had to kind of catch the bubble. And it was right a bubble. Yeah. It was a bubble. And 97 was peak year. And then suddenly with rock opening and everything else, it suddenly it fell really quickly. And the business itself wasn't strong enough to back up anything else and try and work out what to do next you know and but in then, hindsight you can look back at those times and think if well, i've just done it like this and yeah yeah i mean 100 yeah totally but also there's a load of other hurdles that came along like you had to 
when everything went digital, that was a big changeover. So it depends on the position you were at the time, whether you could survive that. I think it was around 2004, 2005, I think. Kind of wiped out all the distributors in, in London and everything. You remember this in the magazine? Yeah, when that was sort of 2000 when suddenly we couldn't sell any vinyl anymore. It was just gone. Yeah. You know? So it depends um, how you'd set yourself up. At the time, you would have thinking, well, yeah. you'd do it like this, and then you could have been... Wiped. Yeah. So oh, I remember, I mean, in 99, so three years before the iPod or something, you know, I did a deal with a label called iCrunch, who paid mm. quite a lot of money for the digital rights for Team of Mars Music for the Masses. And they had to explain it to me about eight times what rights they were buying because I just didn't understand what... I couldn't work out why anyone would want to listen to music on a computer... I didn't even know, and they were like, it's the future, trust me. I was like, and in the end, I just took the money. I still didn't get it. And it was only four years later when the iPod came out that it began to make any sense. But clearly mm. that was the sign of exactly what was coming. Mm. And you're right, had I been cleverer and more switched on and, um, you know, spent my life reading the right articles, I would have known that that was actually the way things were going, you know. Yeah. And, and, that, and now we're on full circle, vinyls just... Just going off, man, <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It is to a certain degree. It's not. To, I mean, it will never be the dominant format. And obviously, most vinyl that's selling is reissues of classic records. Mm. With our artists, we do vinyl, and it does sell if you have the right eyes. And in comparison to, you know, what it streams or whatever, obviously, it isn't really. Yeah, it's so. a bit of a mis misleading thing when they say, oh, vinyl sales are up 500% on, you know, five years ago. Yeah, so. and that's... But if that's, you're only selling yeah. 10 records, five Yeah, that's only 50 records and 250 yeah. records or something, so. isn't it? It's not... People aren't buying it in their millions or even the hundreds of thousands or even their tens of thousands. You know, you're talking about thousands, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that for small, small independent labels, it's kind of almost like a resurgence to how it was. If you're doing like a, a 500 run or a 1,000 run, you know, it's almost kind of that, that that can sustain those small artists, small labels, independent underground sort of people. Yeah. If you're, if you're a big conglomerate, then obviously vinyl sales aren't paying the bills. No. And when we used to go to Ingroves, you were with the Ingroves as well, weren't you, I think, Jamie? Yeah. And you just go to these places, or you go to Massive Records, and you could just see the stock they had that they weren't shifting. And every week they're bringing in more new, fresh stock. And there's just this massive, massive, massive backlog and stuff that nobody wants, you know. And I think it is different now. I think I think there is a demand for vinyl again, much more than there was then. But there was, as a market force, it definitely reached a point where it would it become so saturated that, you know, no one knew what to do with themselves, you know. Um, and everyone was just putting out records, weren't they? It's, it, it's still nice to collect, though, isn't it? Oh, lovely. Buying lots of records, Tim. Yeah, well, not really. I mean, I was sort of doing a little bit of trading around, and uh, it's just still nice to have. Like Duncan yeah. was saying earlier, you know, you you buy an MP3 or, or a WAV or whatever, and you, it's forgettable. You know, it's just nice to have that. It is, totally. Made, you know, we've all got, you know, I see records behind you, Duncan, you know, we've all got our tunes, haven't we, you know? I mean, then my what part of my collection went through my floor a few years ago because the floor was so rotten and they were so heavy. And it, oh, I was yeah. pissed off. I was like, classic. That's <laughs> Why not the vinyl saying something to me because I've not touched it in so long? <laughs> Complaining. Yeah. Are you still playing out, Jamie? 
not anymore. <laughs> I mean, I mean, pre-COVID yeah. times, will you again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, and I was actually in kind of in two minds to, I kind of slowed it down. So I really like playing in Berlin more than I like traveling and being away every mm. weekend. So I was quite happy just playing gigs here. Um, and then it all just shut down. So Yeah. Where were you playing? Um, You're a panorama bar, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, started off playing Panama Bar and then Trezor and um, yeah. where else was I? All, just, yeah, all the different clubs there. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it was back in Bristol, that's why I like it. Yeah. We can play that's the thing. Berlin's kind of carried that tradition on, I think, yeah. to a certain degree, yeah. isn't it? And it has enough new people coming into it in terms of tourists, but also people moving there, that it keeps it fresh, I think. Mm. Mm. Um it's got a good local scene and lots of like, yeah. people doing stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah, I do like it there a lot. Um, winters are a bit tricky, but the rest is all right. Yeah, I, I like it. and stay down here. <laughs> we were supposed to, I was going to come over to Berlin last year, but yeah, obviously, yeah. it went wrong, which is a yeah. shame. So um, when I come over, Jamie, I'm going to have to look you all up then. You have to show me, yeah, show definitely. Me all, the, all the hot clubs. Yeah, same here. There's a down here in, in Little Cornwall, you know, it's quite nice because there's not many, I mean, it's not about clubbing here. It's about parties on cliff tops by yeah. in fields still, you know, and it... That sounds good as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. I mean, even the commercial events, I mean, if you think Boardmasters or Mass Ball or, you know, even those events, they're on cliff tops, you know, overlooking the ocean and, and it's outdoors, it's under canvas. So mm. it's, it's either, you know, they're obviously a bit more... You know, a bit more like the Glastonbury feel set up sort of thing. But, you know, most of the parties are just, you know, outside, tents, sound systems. It's just like it used to be. It's got that vibe. Mm. I, I'm trying to think. I don't actually... I think I've only been in a club in Cornwall since I've been there twice. Right. We did a gig in Newquay and it was awful. Um, just It was just terrible. I just don't even want to talk about it, really. And um, you know the rest, you know the rest of them have just been outside and just good fun, and it is just like the old days, you know. And it is like a bit like what we were saying earlier with the Bristol. There's, there's, it's the same crews. We're all just going round and round. You know, there's four or five of yeah. these events, and we're all just we're always on the same lineups in different format, sort of thing. So it's the same sort of crowd. I mean, obviously we're only appealing to a smaller crowd because it's Cornwall. Um, you know, that it's sort of a local crowd, as it were. Mm. But like you know, it, it equates to what you're saying, Jamie. You just rather stay in Berlin and do your thing. You know what I mean? You just yeah. got to, yeah. to do your thing, haven't you? Yeah. You know, it goes for all of I us. Mean, you have to put a lot of energy into it if you want to be there, traveling around the world, doing it. Um, not just the doing it, but just to even get into that position, and it's, it gets tiring, you know. Yeah, sure. We were having that conversation before you joined, actually. I think seven so I just about. Yeah, because it is it's a massive commitment. And you, if you really want to do it, and if you really want to, you know, compete in that kind of a market, you have to really throw your all at it and mm-hmm. be prepared to sacrifice every weekend and just lose contact with all your mates and all that kind of thing because they're all working Monday to Friday and you're away every weekend and yeah. you've got to form a steady relationship with another human being and stuff like that. Um, so you really have to want to, you know, want to do it. Um mm. 
uh, like anything else, I guess being a sports person or anything else, if you want to try and reach another level, you have to commit your every waking minute to it. Which you is must, probably fine when you're 24. But yeah, I was going to say we must all remember uh, some of those gigs that we we booked ourselves out. Like, I mean, I never forget flying to South to Johannesburg in South Africa. You know, I mean, literally no contract, never met these people before. Got on a plane, 17 hour flight, landed in Johannesburg. They weren't there to meet me. <laughs> what happened? But, you know, they say, "Yeah, well, welcome to our country." And it's like, you know, you, but you take the risks, don't you? When you, you know, yeah. we were taking all of us were taking yeah. these risks yeah. back then. It was just like that sounds like a good idea. Off I go. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, you know, it'd be right. Get the contract sorted, flights. You know, all the, you know, there's a lot. There'd be a lot more to still be doing it now. This is just a lot more involved. Isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking the business model caught up with it all, didn't it? So it was a case yeah. of it was all kind of like just goodwill and just for the love of the yeah. music. And then yeah. because it became such a big thing, yeah. everyone wanted a slice of the action and people started yeah. ripping people off. And yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah, it became less fun. Almost. That's, how, that's how we ended up going to Freiburg, isn't it, Len? Is, is, is Frank arrived at the uh, at Lakota? Didn't he? Is that, I couldn't remember just trying to work out how the hell we got why we were there in the first place. Yeah, it's, it's Frank, wasn't he? He arrived in his bomber jacket and his lace up Dr. Martins. And off, and, and, and then, and you know, he's like, You must come to Germany. And it's like, Right, okay. And we why was he at Lakota? Was he just passing through or something? He, was, he came to England to research music. <laughs> this is all pre-internet love. I love yeah. it. Pre-internet yeah. stuff. Pre-internet. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally, and he got the I kind think of thing we would have done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think he, I think he went in. He had a week in London, and then found himself at Temptation on a Friday night, and it was like this is the best thing I've ever been to. Wow. And yeah. uh, you know, it was two months later, we we're in Freiburg playing Tango. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, without a contract, all for like two. No. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, no money whatsoever. I, so, yeah, I can't drinks. remember. We must have got paid somehow. I, yeah, I think they call up flights and, and and a little bit of money and and some breakfast and that was about it. It was breakfast and 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 just this in the DJ booth, which was kind of in a cage, and I just had a big fridge in it. That was it, and the fridge was just uh, like beer, like five, <laughs> six rows, and that was it. Yeah, and then you're in this sort of caged environment with all these, you know, in this sort of odd concrete bunker in the middle of Freiburg somewhere mm, exactly that but you've taken all that on on and you did it for shit did it I'm going to Germany oh who's doing that I yeah. don't really know no idea I met him somewhere <laughs> once yeah and uh, yeah and okay. great they want me to come back so uh, yeah. we made it home alive uh, and we went again I should never forget playing Paul Schliffy there <laughs> which is one of those records you see that the Germans would never have heard probably no, we were kind of all a bit over it, and I can't remember. I had it, and uh, and you forget how the world worked then because not everybody knew everything. And you played Born Slippy, you know, in Freiburg in '95 or '96 or whatever, and that's yeah. like, fuck that. I remember playing that record. I had it on a white label, and luckily enough, and um, so it was early. Not many people had it, you know, but it was kind of out there, and it was Cockney's birthday party. Out uh, under the Seven Bridge at Aust Services. Did yeah, you, you there, Duncan? I think it was. Yeah, I remember Connor's birthday. Well, a couple yeah. of Connor's birthdays. It, it was bonkers, and I, I remember I waited all night long to play, literally. And I was just like, I'm not going to get a play. I'm not going to get a play. And then it was like, I'm actually going to get the sunrise set. 
that's how it worked out. So, and everyone was flagging away, and you know, a bit had it like you know, and it was a crusty party. You know, it was it was a proper proper party. And I dropped Born Slippy, and everybody, everybody got up and danced, put their hands in the air. The sun came up. Do you know what I mean? So that, and I was, I shouldn't have been able to get away with that because it had been acid techno all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got the decks and changed it, and put Born Slip, played Born Slippy, the extended mix, whatever, and it was just one of those moments. There's only so much acid techno a man can take, though, isn't there? Yeah. And there we, is. I mean, I loved it, but you know, after like 13 hours, like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> more to the point is that that record was one of those records from back then that, that just, yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those records that, you know, it, you could play it anywhere, couldn't you? You know, and it would just, yeah. lit. the moment was yeah. right, everyone's going to yeah. dance. Because I think I probably heard Wilkie play it somewhere, first of all, in a more sort of commercial setting. Mm. Um, I don't recall now. But um, yeah, it is one of those records that's definitely stood up, you know. To that, you know, I still, I still, no, it's still, still yeah. coming out nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, so, so it should, so it should. And as you doing the actual techno thing, remind me because then, then there was a point when the Bristol Techno Explosion got replaced by the Liberator crew, who then all split up, and at one point, all four of them were playing four different techno nights <laughs> in Bristol. I said, you know, there'd be like David yeah, Drummond, one, Chris, and the other, and then there were. There's an R and Liberator, and then there was a couple of others as well, weren't there? Yeah, Julian, yeah. 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 Julian and then yeah. Guy and DDR as well, didn't you? Uh, DDR. Right. And they're all still doing it. They're all still yeah. out. Yeah. They're still going strong, aren't they? And that that, that three-party Scott scene is still going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, like, probably at the moment, it's pretty much the only thing that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> fake raves yeah know. they've actually they're actually doing it aren't they because the yeah. <laughs> that that protest at the weekend i i, I yeah. know a few people that went up um seen some of the images from there and you know some of the videos from there it's just like reclaiming the streets all over again isn't it that's yeah. what i thought it looked like exactly the same yeah, it did look like that yeah but fair play, a fair play to them to have the movement to get the people going and, and to be doing that again or still doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it was back then in the 90s. I mean, that's, that's, I David Drummond comes up on my Instagram a lot with a sponsored post advertising a techno production masterclass he's doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, yeah. Does, he does a show on Sunday nights on his Facebook every Sunday night, which has been the lockdown, lockdown sessions, he's called it. Yeah. It's just him and his wife in the studio, and he, like I think he had um, he had Chris live there a few weeks back, and they're just banging it out for two and a half or three hours, yeah. literally from seven pm to nine pm on a Sunday evening. Like the lights are off, they've got lasers in the studio, the decks are on, and, and Justine's doing loads of visuals on, on screen, and it is banging. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, it is really, really good, high energy, you know. Yeah, just like it always was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they've not changed. Yeah. Have you listened to any of the stuff we used to listen to back then? It's like 140, 150 BPM. Yeah. And it's it's pretty scary how fast it is. Yeah, now. it is um, crazy fast. Yeah. It's back in fashion now. But one, 140. Yeah, it, 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 it is here anyway. It's all about that speed, didn't it? You know, yeah. It, it, it just gives me heart palpitations. When I, I listen to old sets of mine, and literally I just get palpitations. I just get really tight chest. They just kind of... 
That was your chill out, Sarah. Well. Hello. <laughs> no, what yeah. the hell? Dave Angel coming along with his little screwdriver, Terry. Yeah. Plus sixteen. Yeah, plus sixteen. I'm not fast yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, Leon sets were always you're always fast as well, weren't you? It was always fast. You know, you used to come off the decks at Shimmy and it'd be like 160 BPM. <laughs> you know. Oh, I was thinking. That was what I was thinking. Um, well, the records that you were, the, the records you were playing, they were being produced fast. Yeah, I and mean, it was just all that kind of fast. But I loved, the, I just loved the energy and the aggression of it, and also loved the fact that it wound people up. And I also liked the fact that, for me, a lot of it was about a backlash to. I had no problem with house music or anything slower, but I had a problem with people not being allowed into clubs because they weren't wearing the right clothes and that kind of thing. And for me, everything we were doing was a backlash to that as so I just wasn't interested. And, you know, if you wanted to wear shiny shoes, uh, uh, you know, or a pretty dress, you should. And if you didn't, you shouldn't. And then just come have some fun kind of thing. Mm. And that music sort of encapsulated that vibe for me. And that's that was the logic of it, really. Mm. Um, uh, and there's one uh, Chris Liberator thing that I played, I think the last eight months of a coat, every time I did the last set at the last record, which I'd still play now. We just had that little um, care for your soul, it will live and grow and in time you'll achieve happiness and well-being, for example. Is that ringing a bell? Train spotters? I'm sure Duncan knows what it's called. Soul Mantra, it's called. Chris Liberator, Soul Mantra. Just about to go. say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just remembered it there. Uh, which I still played, but the joy of Tractor is I've now played 128 rather than 145, so... Yeah. <laughs> Where's the fun in that, though? <laughs> Yeah, well, it still chugs along and it still has everything in it, but um, yeah, without the heart palpitations. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I quite like to find myself at one of their raves nowadays. You know, whether I'd be um, holding a bottle of Jägermeister you know, in the middle of the dance floor and tipping it all down myself. I mean, I don't know, but um, I'd like to sort. I don't know that energy that. Those free party days, you know, that that vibe on those dance floors at, at that pace. Yeah. I wish I could keep I, I think it's just wishful thinking. Right? I wish I could keep up with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know, I, I do find myself sometimes at too many parties where it's just a little bit plod. Mm. Yeah, and the plod's the bad thing. And Jamie always had that sort of funky, soulful vibe, mm. you know. Uh, which came from a different yeah, yeah, it came from a different vibe than we were at at the time yeah because um, i was tra- trained in jazz keyboards so i kind of came from this really i didn't know that i didn't know that either that explains I, I knew okay that. i knew that yes nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you actually knew something about music whereas we were just shed builders basically and then uh, i joined a jazz punk band uh-huh. i joined the punk band it's like a jazz punk band Right. Jazz punk. Yeah, I, I remember when when we were doing music together. That you were, I think it was a Wednesday. You had a jazz, you had a jazz piano lesson every Wednesday. Am I right, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Jamie's yeah. not in session today because he's gone to his jazz class. Yeah. <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously you know done you well, mate. Fair play. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. That's where you're getting all your diminished fifths and sevenths from. Those lessons still come into play now. There'll be someone comes in the studio and they'll 
bring something that's just like, oh, yeah, I do know this because I learned this once. <laughs> <laughs> Never had to use it ever since. It's like, but then now it's finally, 40 years later, I can do it. <laughs> there it is. Right. Hot yeah. cross but that's because it is like so it important. And what's you know, trying to sort of make your kids understand you can't is that stuff you're picking up now, you will suddenly need in about 30 years' time. Mm. You know, uh, it's even if you only need it once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you, you, you all need it, and it suddenly it'll be there in the back of your head again. I can't remember, but yeah, all right, let's do it. Quick, grab it before you forget it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, because I was going to give Luce a call and bring him in, but um, I didn't. I thought it was nice to bring Jamie in, and actually, Jamie, it was Sim's idea, Jamie, that I'd give you a call. So I thought we'd just add a slightly different dimension to the conversation and give it more of a uh, a true historical angle, I think. And, uh, you know, um, and you've obviously gone on and an art form's still going, isn't it? Well, um, I haven't released anything on it for years. It's still going. I mean, it's still there. Still, on, still there, uh, right, yeah. Beat yeah. stuff with um, on Fossil, though, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah, so one of the artists I was working with on art form then to set up Fossil Archive, and he's now DJing at Bergen and uh, Fabric and everywhere. Okay. So kind of let let it kind of morph into that, really. Um, but, you know, it's always there for when I, when I want to pick it up. Yeah, like yeah, I say, yeah, it takes, all these things take a lot of energy and time, so... Yeah, they do. I kind of get bored of things quite after a few years. I guess to a certain point I've done it, it's done now, and then I... Yeah, no, I can relate then, to that, definitely. Yeah. I like building things and I get into a point and then go. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, 100%. That is really exciting. The problem is the point at which you let go of is the point is it might actually make you some money. Oh, exactly, yeah, and, completely. And you go, oh, okay, right, I'm going to build something again. And then I sit up and, you know, it's one of those, yeah. isn't it? But, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, you know, you know, in theory, we could have made Jimmy, you know, the next whatever. Um, but didn't, you know, and I kind of moved on to something else and, you know, Simon carried on and did his thing and he moved on to something else. And you do think we'd stuck to the thing 30 years ago and actually just, you know, worked out our differences and just, you know, cracked on with it. And mm. you know, what would it look like now kind of thing, you know? Mm. Yeah. But the landscape's always changing, isn't it? That was the thing. Well, it is always changing and you have to move with that um, 100%, especially the music business because it's just forever evolving. Um mm. And it's so driven by technology uh, yeah. that you know you have to be on top of that. To you know the way you're doing it, Jamie, you're still you're still doing what you love to do. You're still making music for a living, and you know, be it be it you know in the same form or a different label or a different label. In the, in the, you know, mm. or, you know you're still doing it, aren't you? You're still you've yeah. evolved, which is why you probably haven't done anything on art form for ages. You've just gone into the next area. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? I think it's well. I mean, I, I still build things, sheds and things, but um, <laughs> you know, I still DJ now and again. So you know, we're, we're, it has evolved, but I'm still doing it the same way I used to do it. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Still mix on the fours. <laughs> you know, it's just same, same, same thing, different time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, hopefully I can come over to Cornwall and come down and see you soon. Yeah, do it, mate. Do it. Oh, you're all welcome. Anytime. Thank you, man. Yeah. There's room here. And, uh, 
Yeah, please do. If you if you feel if you're over and you feel you want to come down, do. Plenty to see. Love to. Yes, definitely. Lovely part of the world. Yeah, it is a lovely part of the world. Because yeah. the COVID's on the rage, but um, let that pass a little bit and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But um, yeah, where I live is really, really pretty, really beautiful. And uh, there's always something going on weekends. Not necessarily raves, mm. but you know, there's always a pub somewhere with a bit of singing going on or something. Yeah. A shanty. which which seems to have made some sort of comeback in the charts yeah it's very popular now I believe yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. techno techno warrior shanties or something (laughs) that we'll make a fortune that could be the new next thing never know (laughs) oh man well thank you very much guys it's been lovely to see you yeah yeah next time we're in Cornwall next time we're in Berlin yeah yeah, if you're any of you are here, then just let me know. Yeah. It's been yeah. lovely to see your yeah, faces. See you all. Lovely to see you all yeah. again, definitely. That's really nice. <laughs> see you later, gang. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.